Hello, and thanks for joining part two of this special edition of Thoughts in the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley, and today I'm joined by Matthew Harrison, Managing Director and Equity Research Analyst from Biotechnology at Morgan Stanley. We're picking up our conversation and we'll be discussing how America goes back to work, what we think that return to work and return to normalization in the economy means for the markets, and what's in the pipeline at biotechnology companies to help combat the disease. Matthew, good to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Andrew. A question for the markets, a question for uh, a lot of people. I think everybody's asking, when will life return to normal? When will I be able to go back to work? When will I be able to go back to the store? And you and Ellen Zentner worked very closely on our um, economic forecast. Could you talk a little bit about how you and Ellen approach that question of thinking about what the return to work would look like and the important kind of considerations that one needs to make around that? Yeah. It's not a question we've had to tackle before either. I think I sort of thought about it in in three groups of things, obviously aided by the way Ellen and the economists you know think about it, which is so the first thing is, when do we get to peak? And so I define peak as when you start to see sustained declines in day over day new cases. Then the next thing is, and I think this is important to note that on average, serious patients, are in hospital or the ICU for about 21 days. And so for that reason, mortality tends to lag peak cases by about 20 or 21 days. And so the second thing is, I think it would be difficult for governors to dramatically reopen the states if the mortalities are continuing to climb. So, you know, we added a 20-day window on the back of when we thought that peak was. And then the third key thing was about, okay, so once you're through that, what do you really need to do? Because obviously behavior may have changed and people need to feel comfortable going outside. You need something called serology testing, which is a blood test to find out who's immune. And then you need to have really beefed up the number of people in public health departments because inevitably you're going to run into hotspots because people are mobile and the virus isn't going away. And so you need to be able to have that robust contact tracing effort to be able to find these hotspots and test the key people around that. So you can keep it from turning into, you know, what we've had, which is a very severe outbreak. Interesting. So the peak in cases on the coast might be this month, but the peak for the rest of the country wouldn't be until May. And then out of abundance of caution and the fact that we're still not going to be sure exactly if the peak is behind us, that social distancing measures should remain in place well through May, even into June. Is that fair? I think that's right. Yeah. What we've called for is the coastal areas to peak in the next one to two weeks. I think you're starting to see that in the New York data. Though one of the interesting things is if you look at the Italian data, they sat at the peak for about 10 to 12 days. Um, and New York has a lot of the same characteristics, given what you've seen with the outbreak. So I expect New York to sit at the peak for 10 or 11 or 12 days and then start to see that uh, trend downwards. But the key thing here is that a lot of the interior regions of the country are three weeks behind in terms of when their outbreak started and the social distancing measures that they put in place. So our expectation is you're not going to see the full U.S. peak until mid-May. And then for the reasons I described, you know, you're going to wait a little bit before putting people back to work, which is why we start seeing that in June. 
Well, well, that's, I, th I think, a really important point. We really see kind of an increasing risk of two things. First is that, as you mentioned, it's kind of underappreciated that there might be a kind of a second wave of cases that's happening um, in other parts of the U.S. And secondly, I think it's been tempting to think of what we've been going through recently as the hard part. You know, we've, we're dealing with this uncertain virus. Um, we don't know when the peak in cases will be. But you know, I, I think increasingly it seems like actually maybe the next stage you and Ellen are talking about is the hard part because the social distancing measures ultimately defeating this require keeping those measures in place um, even as cases are starting to decline. And it's, it seems like there's going to be a large temptation to want to get back to normal and almost um, you know, want to believe that the worst is behind you. I would make two points. So the first is, and I think this is sort of becoming a consensus view among many experts, but the virus is likely endemic. Um, it is unlikely that that it's going away. So then you have two choices, basically, until you either have herd immunity, which given the reproductive rate of this virus means you need about 60% of the population to have been infected, or you have a vaccine, which by our view, the earliest that will come in broad quantities is probably spring of 2021. You're going to have to have high surveillance for this. And whether that means you can reduce social distancing measures, but then as you start to see a hotspot develop, you have to bring them back, or you're going to have to keep what I'll call variable level of social distancing ongoing throughout that period. And Andrew, I want to ask you something maybe before we move on to, to the drug pipeline. Where do you think the market is in terms of consensus? What do you think the market is expecting in terms of when cases peak? And do you think they sort of understand this, you know, what we'll call tough year or year and a half where there's going to be these variable levels of social distancing? Do you think that's baked in? I think that the market is really struggling with this issue because this is particularly acute because you're you're talking about you know a second quarter in the US that's going to be the worst second quarter in American history. But it's also a, a very sharp downturn with then a recovery afterwards. It's not going to be completely back to normal in the third or the fourth quarter, but you know relative to other economic downturns relative to the global financial crisis, we think we'll be back to to pre-crisis levels of production at about half the time that we were after 2008, 2009. So I think this explains the really huge swings that we're seeing, you know, three, four, even 7% moves per day. I think what we are seeing is that those assets that are most sensitive to the functioning of the system, things like uh, investment grade credit or uh, volatility, some of the measures of short-term funding stress, those were the things that saw the most weakness initially, as people really worried that the financial system could adapt to the shock, but are probably going to heal the most because that is where central banks can provide the most direct support. Once you can at least see the other side of the hill, so to speak, you can, I think, be a lot more confident with investing in those markets. So, Matthew, my final question, which relates to, uh, to your, your day job, for lack of a better word, uh, your role as a biotechnology analyst at Morgan Stanley, is what is the biotechnology industry currently working on to try to combat COVID-19? And, and what are the different drugs or treatments that people should keep an eye out for? It's a good question. And I think one of the things that I've been highlighting that I think the market has also been missing a little bit is the depth of the drug pipeline and how that may aid a swifter recovery. So, I'll lump it into sort of four things that are there. So the first group of things is drugs called antivirals. These are drugs broadly that if you get infected with a virus can help to stop the virus from continuing to spread in your body, which should uh, hasten your recovery. The key drug called remdesivir, 
where we expect data in mid-April. Um, the second drug is a generic drug, the, the chloroquines, the anti-malarial agents that you've heard a lot about in the news. And they have a very large study um, that's being run by a cooperative group of universities where we'd expect data also in mid-May. The second thing is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the people that are dying from, from COVID are not dying from pneumonia or the virus itself, per se. What they're dying is from an overactive immune system. And so there are drugs which are anti-inflammatories broadly that people are trying. I think the key ones are these agents called anti-IL-6 drugs, which are used for cancer patients for the same issue. And so there's a bunch of studies ongoing for that to try and help people who have this overactive immune problem. The third area is using what are called antibodies to uh, impact the disease. And this one is actually very interesting because when you get infected with a virus, your own immune system develops antibodies against the disease. And then if it comes back, you can reproduce those antibodies and fight off the disease. And so here, what the companies are trying to do is find the best antibodies against the disease, make them outside the body, and then give them to people such that if you were infected, you could get them, or if you knew you were going to be in a high-risk situation, you could get them ahead of time and, and not get the disease. And so the timeline for those are early summer. We'll probably go into the clinic with those, and by the end of the summer, have some data. And then obviously, the final thing, which is what I've highlighted, is what you ultimately need to, to deal with this is a vaccine. We expect data probably early summer. And you know we ultimately think you're going to need a lot of companies because you're going to need to produce billions of doses of this vaccine. Um, which is going to require the scale of multiple companies. So timeline there is probably sometime in the spring of 2021, assuming everything goes to plan, is when you could have a broad vaccine available for commercial licensure. Interesting. Thanks, Matt. So indeed, I think kind of tying this conversation together, maybe the market is is underestimating the difficulties and the challenges of getting back to work, but also underestimating some of the many things that are currently in the works and in the pipeline that could help mitigate and fight the disease as we go forward into next year. Exactly. Thanks for the conversation, Andrew. Thank you, Matthew. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts in the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you.